Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Well, guys, listen, today we're going to conclude our churchology series. I could do it for another six months, but thought we'd probably better land the plane. So uh, we're going to be doing that today. But before I get into it, I just want to remind you, we have the Gokey and Grant con- Christmas concert. Natalie Grant and Danny Gokey coming up this week. We have some tickets that's still available. You can grab them out in the atrium. It's going to be a tremendous time of worship, a tremendous time of us being together and uh, the, the body of Christ gathering to worship. It's going to be an amazing time time this week. So I want to give you a heads up about that. So guys, we are, we are concluding this series as we've been leaning into the reality that Jesus is the one who owns our lives, amen, and he's the one who owns the church, right? So we as a church want to be very, very careful that what Jesus paid for with his blood what he paid for with his own being as he laid his life down, as he established the church with his own blood, that the church of Jesus Christ, that we as faith, we would be what he actually wants us to be. I think it's a very important question that when Jesus saves us to ask, actually ask him, God, what do you want from my life? Why did you save me? Why did you call my name? Why did you move on my heart? And then we would respond to whatever he says with, I will do whatever because you own me. You have purchased me with your blood. And so as a church, we want to continue to lean into that and to follow the leading of the Lord Jesus Christ. As you would, as I've said before, for me as your pastor to leverage the church to do what my passion is would be, in my opinion, would be absolutely horrendous and stupid. I did not lay my life down for the church. Our Savior and our King, Jesus Christ did. So my job is for us together to to lead together, to, to, to be a church family together so that we can honor the leader of our church. He's our chief shepherd. He's the one who guides us. He's the one who owns us. Therefore, we will follow him and him alone. Amen? And so as we kind of land the plane on this Today, I, I, I want to, because we're stepping into the Christmas season, which I love, I love the Christmas season. I love just the, 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 the reality of what God has done what, through the Christmas season and what it reminds us of. But we know this, that yes, we know that it is Jesus who saves us. It's Jesus who calls us, who purchased us. But I want to end this series on churchology by honoring the gospel of Jesus Christ. During this Christmas season, I want to honor what he has done. I will never get tired of hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's so important that we understand that. For some reason in the church over, over the years, it's, it's become, ah, yeah, but you know, we, let's, let's move on to something that's, that's really cool and really deep. Listen, God's plan for the beginning of time was to send his son to die on a cross in your place, to go to the grave in your place, to raise from the dead in your place so that you can have life. Since it is God's passion, it shall be our passion. Amen? So I want to conclude this with really looking at this understanding of what Christmas is about. I, I, I really... This could be a, a Christmas service message, but I felt like God wanted to kind of... Wet our appetite 
for what he wants to do in our lives during this Christmas season. That we wouldn't forget Christmas. We wouldn't just pass through. We wouldn't just, just walk through it like we always do. That he, he would, we would give him time that he could speak to us and minister to us. And so we honor what Christmas is about today. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, we need to understand that was God's promise manifesting Manifesting of the promise of what was spoken in the Garden of Eden back in Genesis. It had been 4,000 years since the fall of mankind when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But God had been working his plan to save you. God had been working his plan to save me. God had been working his plan to bring us into his family and establish us and put us in a local church to, to, to serve together and to follow the Lord Jesus Christ together. And so he has done that. And I just want to honor who he is today. And I just want to look at the good news in four phrases as we look at Christmas. The first phrase is this, that, which is just the tremendous one. It's relevant to Christmas season is this phrase, that God is with us. God with us. This is what we celebrate. This is what we, rem what we remember every Christmas this is the foundation of us as the church, God with us. The greatest truth of all time and in all history is that Jesus came and was God with us. He became one of us as fully God and fully man. Matthew 1.23 says this, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Us. Can we say that together? God with us. And the birth of Jesus wasn't something that just happened at a random time. We need to understand the heart and the, the picture and the, per, the perfection of God. It was perfectly planned. Even 750 years before Jesus, God the Son, became man and was born in Bethlehem, God told the prophet Isaiah, now think about this. 750 years before the birth of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah, God said, hey, hey, Isaiah, I'm going to tell you something that you're going to know when, this, when these things happen, that I am among you, that I am with you. You're going to be able to tell when, when your freedom is about to come, when, when, when I'm close to delivering mankind from the grip of sin and, and, the, and the filth of sin. Isaiah 14, 7 Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. There was a, an astronaut. His name was Jim Irwin. And he was, uh, he was a pilot and he, he piloted the Apollo 15 to the moon. And they spent three days working and gathering different rocks and soil samples and actually, he was, he was the eighth man to walk on the moon in 1971. But he, Jim, had, a, had an encounter with God as he stood on the moon that really changed his life forever. And he told the story at the National Prayer Breakfast under the uh, Reagan administration. And he, and he walked up to the mic, and this is an opening line that not very many people can, can give. He says, while I was on the moon. You know, you just think, wow, isn't that cool? Like no one else can really say that. Very few people. 
But he says, while he was working on the moon, he said he, he, he received an overwhelming sense of God's presence. Now, up to this point, he was a nominal Christian. He was, you know, yeah, he went to church, but he didn't really have a relationship with God. But he looked up and he saw the earth coming up over the moon's horizon. And he looked around and he saw the stars that were shining in the, in the black of night. And he saw this blue earth. And he thought, this has to be the greatest day in human history that a man is walking on the moon. And so while he was sitting there contemplating this, he was, he was praying. He, he just, he had the sense of God as he goes, God, you, like, minute, like God, you, this is so cool. And so gazing at the earth, Jim understood that, God, you made earth for man. And Jim Irwin, up to this point, was overwhelmed by the presence of God. And he said this, that God spoke to him. And this is what God said to him. He said, Jim, the greatest day was not when you, a man on this moon, walked on this moon that I made, but when I, God, came and walked on that blue earth as a man. That's the greatest day, Jim. And so when Jim returned actually from, from that, that, uh, that mission, he resigned and he committed his life to preaching the gospel around the world. That's what he did. And he died. He actually died in Colorado Springs. But from the Garden of Eden, God gave a promise of a coming Savior to undo the curse of sin on you and on me. All of us were born under that curse. If you've been around church long enough to know, you, you, you know that. If any of us are, any of us are, are, are just self-aware, we recognize we still battle with this curse of sin on our own physical bodies. But the reality is this, that God gave a promise of a Savior to come and undo that curse, to, re, to reunite God's family back to himself, to give us a purpose, to give you a reason to wake up in the morning, to give you a reason to stay up at night, to know that you have been called, you have been redeemed, just not to go through life like a, just normal and, and just, well, I guess I'll just live life and live for vacation. I guess I'll just make money so that I can maybe go to a movie every once in a while. God called you to have a purpose. He called you to burn deep in, within your bones that he has picked you, he has hand-selected you, and he wants to use you right where you are. And he's filled you with the power of the Holy Spirit, but God had that plan because he believes in you. That's his heart. 333 times in the Old Testament, this promise this of, the, of, the, of the moment and a time when God would become human was spoken of. John 1 verse 14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Christmas time is about the fulfillment of God's desire. Now, hear my heart today. Think about this God's desire to dwell with man. For man, for you, every woman and every man, to be free from the weight of sin, to be close to him. And the birth of Jesus was the beginning of us returning to the garden, returning to the garden of Eden status 
And as we know, God would come and walk with them in the garden. They had fellowship with him. They were intimate with him. He knew them and they were warmed by his presence. That's God's purpose today, right where you are. And so at Bethlehem, God was born human. The infinite God humbled himself to become an infant. God is human flesh. To live the life we could never live. To be the representative for all of us. To pay the price for our sin. This is really the first phrase of the gospel is God with us. And so when you think of this and you think, yeah, who is this baby? Who is this man, Jesus? Is he really God? Well, Hebrews 1.3 says this, that Jesus, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He was God's gift to you. He was God's gift to me to save us, to be us. He made his first appearance as a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. It is the greatest gift that was ever given to humankind. Don't let, don't let that, don't miss that this Christmas season. This is about remembering what you actually have. Remembering the heart of God that he came to be with you. Remembering that God himself so loved the world. With John 3, 16 through 17, that he gave his only son that Whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. One of my mentors, David Cook, he, he said this. He said, he who was the son of God became the son of man, that we who are sons of men have the promise that we can become sons of God. God with us. But he didn't just come to be with us. He came as God with us so that we could, number two, the second phrase, so that we could become, so he could become God for us. This is what you need to know. You have a God who was for you. Out of all the babies born to live on the face of the planet, there was one baby that was purposely born to die, and that is Jesus. God with us, God becoming flesh, God coming to man. But here's the reality. God being with us was the first step, but God being with us could not bring man to God. It took God living for us. It took God living in your place. It took God being your representative. It took God Embracing our sin, our guilt, our failure, our perversions, our unfaithfulness, our lies, our sexual sins, paying the penalty for us, dying for us, enduring the cross for us in our place. He came to do what you couldn't do for yourself. Then... He did it so that also he could set you in a family. He did it to make a way for us. 
We must not lose and forget the real meaning of Christmas this month of December. We must keep it in front of us. We must remember that it's more. It's more than just the the great festivities that we have. It is about the reality that God came to be with us so that he then can become God for us. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Titus 2.14 said, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what's good. This is God's purpose for each person in his church. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, this, or The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now listen to Paul. He says, of whom I am the foremost. I'm the chief sinner. This is about God being for you. Many of us live under this this shroud of somehow God is against us. No, no, no. God is for you. He did not come into the world to condemn us. He came to be with us so that he could be for us. God's looking for someone who just embraces the reality. God, I believe that you're for me. I don't know why you are. I don't know why you would be. But I know according to your word, you are for me. And so, God, I align my life with yours. And I want you to use me. I want you to move through me. I want your Holy Spirit to use me in the, in the gifts as I flow. I want to walk in a new authority. I want to be everything you called me to be. And it's humbling. But, God, I know you're for me. God's inviting us to come into the reality and the the truth and to embrace that he's actually for us. He's for us from the cradle to the cross, from Bethlehem to, to the beatings that he endured for us. From the manger all the way to Mount Calvary. His purpose was to come and be for you. Turn and tell somebody, God is for me. Go ahead and tell them. As humans, we fall into the temptation of always being like, oh gosh, God. Thanks a lot, God. When something goes wrong, God, I don't know why God's against me. He's not. He's for you. He's for you. You need to know that. Fourteen times before Jesus allowed himself to be hung on a cross, he told his disciples, I'm going to die. For this, person, for this purpose, I have come. I have come to die. Peter rebuked them and rebuked Jesus. The disciples had to be thinking, what do you mean you're going to die, Jesus? Yeah, I'd like for somebody to come and try to take you, Jesus. I saw you walk on on water. I saw you cast out the demons. I saw you heal the blind eyes with your own spit and you mixed it with mud. I saw you take authority over legions of demons and tell them to shut their mouths and they did. I saw you when you spoke and the room rattled with authority. Yeah, yeah, who's going to take you, Jesus? And Jesus would agree. Boys, you're right. Nobody's going to take me. Nobody's going to do it. But out of John 10, this is what he says. No one takes my life from me. But I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up. 
Because God became one of us, with us, so that he could be for us, so that then he could become God in us. Over these last several weeks of the series, we've talked about the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about that we are the temple of God. And he, he, he dwells in us. He lives inside of us. God became us to go to the cross for us so that as, as we repent, we submit our lives to him. We can put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. Then the Holy Spirit can come and dwell in us and give you power to live an overcoming life. To fill you up over and over and over again. That when you face something that you don't know how you can do it in your own flesh, you then realize, praise God, I've got the supernatural power of God inside of me. Regardless of what it is. He can give you the power to forgive where you could never do it before. He can give you the power to pray for someone and God move in their life. It's not through you, it's through the Spirit. He can give you power to give you the, the right understanding, words of knowledge or words of wisdom as you face struggles. He can give you the, the, the inspiration and the, and the leading to, to guide someone and to speak to someone. He can minister to you. He can give you dreams in the night. It's He's dwelling inside of you. And God came to be in you. That should blow all of our minds. The God of the universe who measures the universe with the span of his hand. Who spoke all of this into existence. All the laws of, of physics and the laws of gravity and the laws of like what in the world. And he's like I want to live inside of you. It should move us to say if that's true what am I doing with it? Am I living from what is dwelling in me? Or am I living from what is in the world? God in us. 2 Corinthians 1.22, Paul says, God set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. In other words, guaranteeing that you're going to be with him forever. He sealed you. Colossians 1.26 says the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus in John 16 says, yes, I'm with you. Yes, I'm here, fellas. Yes, I, I, I've just risen from the dead. Yes, but the Holy Spirit will be in you. I'm with you, but I must go away so the Holy Spirit can be in you. This is what he's talking about. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, which I've mentioned, he says, your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. His Spirit is in us. His spirit dwells in us, and you need to know today you have access to that spirit for your own mind, for your own heart, for your own life, for your own relationships, for your own what God's called you to do. Whatever gifts he's given you to do, whatever you put your hands to every day, he's put in you his spirit that you can operate supernaturally in what he's called you to do. He can soften our 
hearts that have been hardened because of pain and rejection and because of our own failures. He can, he can transform our minds, our patterns of thinking that maybe for many of us don't allow us to be loved, don't allow us to love others, don't allow us to trust anyone in church especially the weird pastors that are in front of them. All those weird patterns and all those things that we just wish we could break free from them. Patterns of addiction and patterns of, of bitterness and patterns of, by the power of the Holy Spirit, it can be broken over your life today in Jesus' name. He lives in you and he invites you to receive his freedom. This is the desire of God for everyone in this room and everyone on the planet earth, he wants to live in you. He wants to live in us. He wants us to be Christians that understand before we wake up in the morning or our first thought in the morning is the reality of I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm called of God. I have a purpose. I have, God has a plan for my life. He wants to do crazy things through me. He wants to use me. His spirit dwells in me. So good morning, Holy Spirit. Come on, let's get after it. Unfortunately, that song in my mind that's been on, on social, Holy Spirit Activate, just started growing over in my head. It's, I'm so annoyed right now. Anyway, we move on. <laughs> the story of Christmas, when realized, should bring great humility to us. As a church, as we have looked at churchology, the, the story of God should humble us. The fact that Jesus was not born in a palace, but born in something that wasn't even considered worthy for normal people. They were all already booked up in an inn. There's a reason nobody was staying in the barn because nobody wanted to stay in the barn. But Jesus, by the sovereignty of God, by the plan of God was born in a barn. A place where animals were, a place that was filled with not even humanity. It smelled bad, it was dirty, it was dusty. It was a place that no one else would consider. How many mamas you think would say, you know what I really want is to give birth in a barn. <laughs> no one else would consider that type of environment, that type of filth. Everyone would, has, had written off that the barn was even an option. But you know what? That gives me great joy. It gives me great hope. It humbles me dearly and deeply today that if God would allow his son to be born in a place no one else would even consider. That the picture of that to me is that if he would do that, if he could be born in that mess, if he could be born in that filth, if he could make his debut on the earth, the God of the universe, in that environment, he could dwell and be born in this mess. 
He can, he can take what everyone else has written off and he can use it for the beautiful story of what God did when he was born in this mess. When he took up shop in this mess. He can dwell in the midst of my flaws, my brokenness, my imperfections, my mistakes. Friends, this tells me and tells you that there's hope. Hope for my family, hope for my community, hope for my church. Christmas is the time we realize he's not embarrassed of our mess. He's not embarrassed of your mistakes. He's not embarrassed of your weaknesses. He's not embarrassed of your lack of faith. He's not embarrassed by your flaws. He's not embarrassed by what you are embarrassed of. Christmas is a time to celebrate that he came to take our mess and redeem it and use it for a miracle that will change the world and change generations and change our lives. No one in this room, because I know you, would thank you. You know what? God's really lucky to have me. You might think of somebody, but I don't think of anybody in this room. We all know it's by the grace of God. Jesus being born in a stable amidst filth tells me he came to be born in the midst of this heart, full of my own pain, full of my own brokenness, full of my own, the, the, the patterns I even learned growing up from parents who did the best they could. And parents today, you're going to do the best you can. Every one of us is going to mark our own kids with some dysfunction. I promise you that. But by the grace of God, the greatest thing we could tell them is, hey, listen, I need Jesus just as much as you. So recognize that Jesus wants to take your mess and do something tremendous with it. Today, think about it. Today, when you hear the, the word manger, you don't think of a mess. You don't think of manure. You think of the Messiah. This is what Christmas is about. The message of the Messiah being born in the midst of a mess and making a miracle out of it. God with us to be God for us so that he could be God in us. So that one day it will be us with God. This is what Christmas is all about. Us with God. This is our promise. This is our promise for believers who have gone ahead of us, for those who will, who already crossed over and are with God. But also this is a promise for those who will remain on this earth until Christ returns. Us with God. Christmas is about he who began the work in us is faithful to complete it. Those of us who are alive today, those of us who are here today, 
We can anticipate the return of Christ, the day when Jesus comes back to the earth. We, we, you need to understand that it is us. This whole thing is about getting us to be with God. He's with us now. He's in us now. He's for us. But it's all so that we can be with him, us with God. The Apostle John wrote this passage out of Revelation. And I want you to think about this. I don't want you to forget that Christmas is attached to eternity. Christmas is attached to something that is coming. That if all of the prophecies from the beginning of Genesis led all the way up to the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem and he was true to his word to become one of us, to be with us, to be for us, to be in us, he will be true to his word that he will come back again and it will be us with him. He's not going to drop the ball. It's on its way. He's on his way. So John writes this. And this is what he saw when the, at the return of Jesus. I want you to hear this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city. A new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. This is our promise. In Genesis, humankind lost Eden and their fellowship with God. They lost their intended paradise. But in Revelation, it's all restored. In Genesis Man and woman is driven from the tree of life. In Revelation, man and woman can now eat from the tree of life. For 6,000 years, Satan has been ruling, has been, he's been the ruling presence on earth. He's wrapped his slimy, nasty, dark, filthy hands around the human race, corrupting and perverting everything God created to be a blessing to us. But friends, there will be a moment in time in which God says, death, you have claimed your last victim. There will be a time that he says, Satan, this is your last deception. It's over. Sin, that is your last effect on the body. It's done. No more. Friends, the day is coming. Just as he fulfilled his first coming, what Christmas is about. Just as he fulfilled 333 prophecies of his first coming to be born in Bethlehem. As I said earlier, he will also fulfill what the angels spoke of. What the prophets spoke of throughout the, the Old Testament, what the apostles spoke of, and what Jesus spoke of.
And this is, friends, listen. This is what Jesus says. And I want you to find hope in this today. Revelation 20, 22. Surely I am coming soon. Surely. Christmas reminds us that we have a short window to be salt and to be light. To share God's love and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. To be ambassadors for him. It tells us that we're on, a, we're on a ticking time. It's ticking down. There will be a day when Christ returns. The gospel won't be needed. You will no longer be able to sow into the kingdom. There will be a day when your love towards your spouse will be, your time will be up. That you can show it and you can express it. One day, it'll be over. We have a window to be what God's called us to be. To labor with what he's given us the purposes to labor in. And when our tears on this side of the earth, listen, I know we've endured a lot of pain. And when our tears fall and we fill them, filling up our eyes because of disappointment or fear or unknown, we need to let those tears remind us that one day he's going to wipe away my tears. Every death we mourn, it reminds us one day, death, your hold will be broken and death will be no more. When I feel pain in my body, when I feel pain and the emotions of my, my life or my heart, when I feel pain for my failures, instead of allowing it to, to push me down and discourage me, we're gonna flip it on its head. And we're gonna, it's gonna remind us that one day there will be no more pain. One day, the former things of sin, sorrow, sickness, death, will be passed away and we will dwell in the new heaven and the new earth. This is what Christmas should remind us of. He's coming again. Hear my heart today. Church, hear me today. Live for that which will remain, not for that which will pass away. Invest into that which will remain forever, not that which will pass away. Love the people around you in a way that will remain forever. Not that we, don't, don't love in such a way or not love that we just, we just hope that one day that's forgotten and passes away. No, love in a way that's gonna last forever. We have one life to live. One life to invest into eternity. Certain amount of heartbeats, certain amount of breaths. Let me encourage you this Christmas season. Dwell on what will last forever. And remember that our God who came, he came to be with us so that he could be for us, so then he could dwell in us, so that one day it'll be us with God. This is our hope, and this is what Christmas reminds us of. May we live 
and that reality and be people of grace and people of kindness, people of power. May we not consume our lives with that which will pass away. Let's be what God's called us to be. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness today. We thank you for your call on our lives. We thank you, God, that you are moving in our midst. And so, Lord, we step into this Christmas season recognizing you've got something for me. That's what I just sense the Holy Spirit is saying, that he wants you to know he's got something for you. That void and that emptiness or that unsettledness, he's got something for you. So, Lord, we open our hearts to you today that we, we would enjoy the, the glory and the beauty of Christmas. That we would realign our lives to live for you. That we would align our beliefs that we know you came to be with us. That today we recognize you are for us. That today, Lord, you dwell in us. May we be aware, raise our awareness to know the reality of you dwelling in us. May we step out of, outside of our natural abilities, our natural emotional abilities, our natural physical abilities, mental abilities. And may we step into the reality of what dwells in us and that is the supernatural power of you. So we surrender our lives to you today we say yes to you as we leave here and as we honor you. In Jesus' name. Just remain with your heads bowed just for a moment. If you're here today and you recognize that you do not know Jesus, that you know that he, is, he came to be with us, you know that Jesus came to be for you, but you know today he's not in you. And you want him to come in and cleanse you and empower you so that you can be with him. If that's you today and you want to receive what Christ has done, nobody's looking around. Just raise your hand right where you are. Lift it up right now. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. We're going to pray together because we're family. And we need each other. And so if we can, let's just all pray. And if this is your heart today and you sense God revealing that you need him, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. I believe in you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for raising from the dead for me. I give you my life today. I come into agreement of what you've done for me. I surrender. Take my life and do with it what you want. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand today? If you gave your life to Jesus, 
Do me a huge favor, right in front of you is a card. You can fill that out and drop it in the white buckets when you leave. We would love, be honored to go on a journey with you as you be conformed into the image of Christ and we do it together. Let's all stand to our feet. I'd be honored if you allow me to pray a blessing over you today. At the end of service, our prayer team is here. We'd be honored to pray with you. If you have any needs, we'd be, we would love to come into agreement with you that God would move in your life. But if you can, just lift your hands to the Lord to receive from what God has for you today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your people. You know every life in here. You know everything, every family. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would bless them, that you would anoint them today to be what you called them to be, that they would walk in authority, that they would walk in clarity, that God today, they would come into the realization that you are for them, that you are in them, and that you want to do something tremendous through them. So God, bless them today, financially open doors that only you can open, give opportunities that only you can give. And God, may we recognize that as the spirit of you dwells in us, we ask you for favor in everything that we do that we could bring glory and honor to you. Bless our families, bless every marriage, bless every single person. God, just lead us and guide us for your purposes. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen.